<laughs> You'll never defeat me now, Josuke, and my stand turn back time. We'll just see about that. Crazy Diamond! What is this? Some kind of time portal? Ah, where am I? 1930s America? Yes. Oh. Friend, it's uh, 1938, and you're here in New York City. Oh, are, are you the... That's right. I'm Joseph Joestar. Good to meet you. Do you... Do I know you from somewhere? Do you know me? Look, look, I... Honestly, I, I can't even comp... I can't even begin to tell you what has gone down in the events of my life. That is all just a direct happenstance from what you have done. Like, literally every issue what? I've ever had in my life is because of you. There are people out there who have... Who have died because of you. People out there... You know, my... My mom, right? She was 21. You just left her. And... and 19, like 1980 something, you know? It's 1999 where I'm from. Alright, Dad? That's right, you're my dad. You just left my mom. Like, I, oh. I never saw you. Like, ever. I saw you and you were a senile old man. Don't even, I. You're. You're telling me that at 62, I got with a 21 year old hottie? Ho! Oh, I can't wait to tell Caesar about this! Who's Caesar? No dignity. Hey everybody and welcome back to No Dignity, the podcast about everything JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I'm your host, Chris A. And I'm Alejandro Vargas. Uh, and today we are convening a very small character court. Small, small character we're, court. We're not really determining every aspect of this individual, but I've feel like we have to address it. It's a lot to say. Uh, the person here on trial today, hear ye, hear ye, in character court, is Joseph Joestar. The question on record, is Joseph Joestar a good person? Not, is he a good Jojo, but is he a good person? I am, uh, I am on the attack. I, I am saying Joseph is not a good person. Yeah, so speaking for prosecution, as always, Alejandro Vargas, I, of course, apparently constantly defending the dregs of society, will be defending our most beloved Jojo. He'll defend Fuga, he'll defend anyone. I mean, that's fairly true. There are a handful of people I don't think I can defend. Sure. Hazamata. Hazamata. I, like <clears throat> I like how you don't bring up Stroheim. Okay, you know what? Let's not fire <laughs> off your evidence before it comes to pass, okay, all right, prosecution? All right, all right, okay. All right, begin your case. All right, so uh, the elusive, enigmatic Joseph Joestar of New York, not a very good person. He saved the world, sure, but he's still not exactly a good person. I bring up my first point, friends with a Nazi. <laughs> okay, friends with the Nazi. Yeah, friends with a Nazi. I, I can't see much that's defendable about that. Okay, yeah, I mean, Nazis are bad. Um, uh, I mean, were they really friends? Were they really friends? He saw him as honorable. He wished him a good, he, he wished him good luck. Uh, okay, all right, all right. Um, I mean, okay, a couple of things. It's 1938. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody knew what the Nazis were up to yet. Not in America, not in England. That's not until like the 40s when they start taking down concentration camps. So they didn't really know. Um, but even then, before that, this Stroheim still called for the murder of innocent Mexican people. Okay, you're right. <laughs> Stroheim is not a good person. And I think um, a lot of fans get blinded by his comical yelling and his machine gun chest. And they forget that when he's introduced, he's literally like a terrible person who is abusing the people who are taking care of him. Yes, he uh, he doesn't respect women. Uh, he cuts the tongue of a woman. Uh, in the opening for part two, he's even doing the Nazi salute. They had to shorten that for the American version. Yeah, yeah. You know, and Joseph, he, he's, he's, this, he's this guy's friend? What? Like, I mean, it's more of a convenient ally. Like, uh, there was uh, things going on, and it wasn't like Joseph sought him out. He just happened to be there. He, he was rescuing old Speedwagon. He, he just so happens to uh, he just so happens to enlist the help of the Third Reich right at the end of the park. Uh, look, 
never has he gone out of his way to say, hey, come help me. No. Stroheim just shows up. Mm-hmm. It's Speedwagon, really, who invites Stroheim to the party. So, And even then, Speedwagon didn't really want them. He just needed soldiers, and they were around. Let's not bring God into this. <laughs> this is a completely secular argument here. <laughs> All right, we're talking about Joseph, and now he's friends with a Nazi. I think he's convenient allies and comrades at arms with a person who was helping him, whom he did not realize was supporting a horrifying uh, agenda. But he's still friends with him. Okay, all right. Well, he wasn't friends with him for very long. He died after that, and he never saw him again after the, Stalingrad. the events of... After Stalingrad, yeah. when he invaded Russia. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't even Stalingrad. I think he never saw him again after he got his mechanical arm, basically. Yeah, he still, uh, still, still accepted the help of Nazis, making him a mechanical arm. But ger- German science is the best in the world. What are you going to do about that? That's a that's forever a part of him. I, I I imagine there's a swastika, and that's why he has a glove on in part three. Oh, uh, you know what? You're probably right. <laughs> there's probably like some Nazi branded iconography on some part of that tech. Yes. Ah, uh, poor Joseph. That's why he has to cover it up. Joseph is constantly carrying a swastika with him. That is uh, that is abhorrent. I mean, it could be that the Speedwagon Foundation has probably figured out how to build all of it by part three. I mean, it's been 50 years. Sure, so. but what about Polnareff's legs? He never got Speedwagon help. He got... I don't even know where he got those. Where did he get those? <laughs> That's for another episode. Okay, yeah. Polnareff's legs. We're going to put a pin on that. Come back to it. I'm going to put it on here in my notebook and be like, Polnareff legs with <laughs> question mark. <laughs> All right, all right. Now, since we're talking about his friends, let's also bring up Caesar, the the quote unquote Joe Bro for this part. Uh, let's not forget Caesar oh. was a merciless criminal before he uh, befriended Joseph. Uh, he was a merciless criminal before he found his father, and then uh, trained in Hamon. Yes. Okay. So let's see. Joseph's friends with the Nazi, a criminal who had basically committed almost every crime imaginable, and I don't even want to. Okay. I want to, I want to, I want to put, okay, I have to attack the semantics of this because I just saw a post about this. It's not, the the phrasing is not, he committed every crime except murder. He committed every crime short of murder, mm. meaning like all crimes sub and below murder he did, but murder and above did not do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what we're saying here is that he definitely did sell drugs to kids. Were there many drugs to sell in the 1930s? I guess there were. Opium. I mean, are we really going to pull this argument out? Because I am going to throw a speed wagon right back at you. And- we don't bring God into this. <laughs> I had said already. <laughs> but speed wagon, it was equally criminal. He had a gang. <laughs> yes, but he's reformed and he, he helped society afterwards. So so have Caesar had he did survived? Caesar, did Caesar make a company that helps the world afterwards? He didn't live. How do you know what he would have done? Another point. Another point. Joseph didn't save him. That's right. Stay silent. He tried. He tried after he got his head crushed with a rock. Okay. Well, I mean, he so he gets into a fight with Caesar. By the time he cools down, he's like, all right, I should go help him. And he walks. This is the one thing that kind of I find hilarious slash weird about part two is this thing they are attacking is literally like across a field Mm -hmm. and in the time it takes him and lisa lisa to casually stroll across like the entire battle has been fought yes it's a very fast battle right so like what was he supposed to have done i mean jogged caesar was the one that lost his cool i mean sure but it it seems like at that point they they were kind of keeping each other in check right like they almost switched roles because Caesar got a little more hot-headed and Joseph started thinking a whole lot more about, you know, like, strategy and how to go about this. Right. Shouldn't he have been able to stop him? Shouldn't he be able to say, like, hold up, we're taking this as a team. You know, put his arm on his shoulder, give him a little little, little hug. Well, he didn't know about the family thing. And that's, you know, Lisa Lisa had to spend the time that Caesar was getting murdered, giving, him, giving us his backstory. <laughs> I'm having gonna... it. Okay, you know what? Since we're on Lisa Lisa, he peeks on his mom. Uh, even if it, he didn't know that was his mom, it's still he's just a pervert. Yeah, I I can't really defend that one. Yeah, that's pretty bad, mm-hmm. Joseph. Yes, that's he not... spies on women. 
And let's not forget that before he even knew who Caesar was, when Caesar was just on a date, he decides to go ahead and interrupt someone else's date. Oh, yeah. Why did he do that? Because he's not a very good person. (laughs) (laughs) He, He heard someone else on a date. And he was like enjoying himself. <laughs> he can't control himself. He just has to go fling Hamon noodles at them. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. um, he keeps the strap on him 24 seven. Let's not forget. He walks around New York with a Tommy gun and grenades. Okay. It is the 1930s. That's a reasonable thing to do. But why grenades? Why not grenades? <laughs> I mean, at that point he knew Speedwagon was dead. Mm. Like, you know, <laughs> He knows that there are weird, creepy vampires afoot. You better bring some grenades. But that was the same night he found out. Yeah, so he probably has grenades in the car or something. Oh, okay, so it's it's pretty usual for someone to just carry grenades and a Tommy gun with them. The Tommy gun, I can kind of see. I kind of understand that, right? 1930s New York, right. you know, gangs and everything. That's fine. But the grenades? What if he knew Straitza was going to attack? He didn't know Straitza was going to attack. He he didn't. You know, maybe he did. Maybe Hermit Purple was like, hey, you better bring those grenades, buddy, because you're going to get attacked by a vampire. You're going to need them. Let, we're not going Iraqi's retcon saying that he had Hermit Purple all throughout part two. This is this is this is a non retcon argument. Ugh. <laughs> OK, carrying a weapon doesn't inherently make you a bad no, person. No, it doesn't. But you're carrying explosives. And not like that, he, he fired into what is almost an open crowd. Okay, yeah, that, <laughs> that's pretty irresponsible. Yeah. Um, he also did not warn anybody about the explosives he was about to set off. Well, most of the people were gone by then. True, true. But how about he was just about to leave Smokey there while he ran away from danger? Um, hmm. Maybe he was trying to protect him by drawing straight so away being like look uh he's not gonna care about you you're just a kid um let's not forget that when he runs away he also says the n-word unintentionally (laughs) i I refuse to acknowledge that as a problem (laughs) you cannot assault the japanese language i believe we can um but i have to get into a higher seat of office before i start doing that on a a large basis um oh no okay let's not forget when straight was holding a hostage I'm just going on part two here. I haven't even moved on to part three, Ugh. right? When right. Straitza was holding someone hostage, he was just like, jokes on you. I don't even know that woman. He was fully prepared to let her perish. Okay, but that was a bluff. Bluff or nice? I mean, he still called her that like, was a f- ugly. But that was 1,000% a bluff. And, a, and that's actually one of my favorite moments of part two, because up to this point, we don't really see the connections between Joseph and Jonathan. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of intentional, right? It's like, wow, he's a sneak. He uses Hamon easily, but like for terrible purposes. Um, he's got a bad temper. He uses guns and grenades, mm-hmm. you know, and then he's up to like, I don't even know that woman. Like, I don't care. But then, you know, he loses it and decides he is going to fight straight. So mm-hmm. and he tears off his coat. Yes. And when he tears off his coat, part of his coat is still on his upper biceps, and he looks exactly like Jonathan's like leather-bound pauldrons in that moment. So he just looks like Jonathan mm-hmm. from head to toe in that moment. It's just like, no, deep down, he's got that Joe Star spirit, and he was bluffing, but he's really not going to let this innocent woman stay there. He was just hoping that, again... Oh, I don't care. Maybe straight soul will just let her go. Okay. Okay. All right. I, I guess I can see that. I guess I, I can accept that. I'll accept that. Huh. That that's I have de- defeated one of your seven accusations. <laughs> the, I, I haven't even gotten to part three. Oh no. Okay. Okay, okay. Uh he fought a man while the man was crying. Uh come on. He's a pillar man. <laughs> he still fought a man while he was crying. Uh, Joseph picks on the week confirmed. Um, let's see. Uh, I was I was going to mention that he hadn't told anyone about his funeral, but that was uh, Susie Q. But in that yeah, but in that same scene, he also chased Susie Q around. What was he gonna do? Uh, hmm. What was he gonna do in that scene? I mean, give her a hug. Oh, and that's why he was angry and trying to climb over the car. Uh, uh, what do you? What do Is you? Is that think why she was, was trying to run do? away? I'm just saying it was 1938. 
<laughs> to the moon. Slap. I'm just saying it was 1938. You know, he was a uh, he was he was a man in 1938, and there were some very uh, dangerous uh, expectations for men to follow. Uh, all right, okay, and for right. you know uh, gender dynamics, but that's a different video uh, podcast. So used to videos. <laughs> all right, let's move on to part three, shall we? First one, he was totally willing to put his grandson in the hospital. Um, okay. Yeah. That is that is a problem. He was he was totally willing to mortally wound his grandson, just so he can get him out of that jail cell. Um. Yeah. Okay. Secondly, um. <laughs> all right. Um. Let's see. Let's see. He's frivolous with his money. He like he just destroys like a couple hundred yen cameras. We can see that Dio can do the exact same thing without destroying a camera. Yeah, well, that's uh, he didn't know. It's not he's not very good with his stand, and he he kind of hardly uses it during the part. I don't see how that's uh, relevant to him being a he good person. He could have helped so many times. I I I would take issue with that because he did get a lot better with it over time. I mean, at first he's like, all I can do is make these spirit photographs, and then he does it on the TV, and then he uses it on the airplane, and then the video game, and then. By the time he's at Dio, he's like, you know, vine whipping himself around. Yeah, he's doing that's, a Spider-Man. That's pretty, yeah, that's pretty, uh, pretty good, uh, progress. Yes, he also infringes on Sony's copyright. Okay, you can't, swinging from one <laughs> object to another is not yeah. copyrightable. All right, fine, fine. I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll... I might say he's infringing on uh, George Lucas's copyright. He probably is. Because he does look an awful lot like Indiana Jones. Yes. Yes. This man gets his style from early 80s action movies. Which I'm not faulting. But it's something to take note in. Uh, um, he... You know what? I, I feel like we have something here that I can take a point off of. Something that I actually really do like. He listens to the Beatles. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think that has any bearing on whether he's a good person or not. It makes okay. him a little bit more of a good person. Oh, okay. So you're giving me a point by saying he listens to the yes, Beatles. Yes, but on that same note, he hates Japanese people. Yeah. That's hard to recover from. He says it out and loud. Per, uh, he says it out and loud, too, right? To Japanese people's faces. It's a little, it's a, it's a little hard to uh, dispute, ain't it? Uh, okay. All right. That's bad. Yeah. I mean, he's slightly racist. That, that, that's a problem. Yeah. But, but going into part four, we find out that not only is he racist, but he's hypocritical. Because he has a child with a Japanese woman outside of wedlock, aka he's cheating on his wife. Yeah. Okay. It's a little. Okay. Yeah. Not only that, he also never sees that child until they are like fifteen. He had. He didn't know though. He, had, he did not but know. But how'd they find Josuke in his records then? That is something that I have often wondered because Jotaro specifically says, "When I was looking into how the old man is going to divide up his money, I came across you." Not even the old man knew about it. And I'm like, okay, then who did know about it? <laughs> who is? I assume the Speedwagon Foundation knew about it. Was it. Ros- but... it was Rosas. Yeah. <laughs> he can't be alive at that point, can he? He was like as old as they are. I mean, we thought Joseph was kind of old. Yeah. I mean, I it just, that doesn't track very well to me. But I think they did make a big point of saying, like, Joseph didn't know he was he was even existing. So. Yeah, but despite that, he still cheated on his wife. Okay, well, you know what? You don't know what that marriage looked like. It seemed pre- huh? it seemed pretty happy the way that he was calling Susie Q in that submarine. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a very touching scene. Yes. That that phone call home. Yes. Per- particularly with, you know, Susie Q talking to Joe Toro. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we never find out the story of of Tomoko and Joseph, which we've kind of talked about before, how we wish we had had more context on that, because it was probably a crazy adventure that got that whole thing started to begin with. It might have been. Um, and I mean, just like, you can't fault a person for being human, I think is what my defense for that is going to be. Okay. Like, people make mistakes. That's just the reality of it. And you could argue, well... Lots of people live their lives and don't cheat on their wives. Yeah. 
That is that is um, something. Which is which is a fair point, but you know, a lot of times when people are talking about part four and when they're rewatching part four and like really thinking about part four, um, people dive into Jotaro's PTSD, right? Yes. But no one ever really considers Joseph's possible PTSD. Ay, 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 ay. Mm-hmm. And I want to, I want to kind of point out a couple of things, which I think get ignored. Um, so, in, in preparation for this, I was watching some part two clips. Yes. And holy crap, the Pillar Men, when you really think about it, are terrifying. Oh yeah, they they are. I really don't think there's another villain who is just pure power as strong as they are. I do think they are the physically strongest enemies in JoJo. Yeah, like I was watching. Just like uh, the Wamu Awaken My Master scene, there are 30 Nazi soldiers. He casually pirouettes through them, merges their hands together, and then sucks out their entire life force in like three seconds. <laughs> yes. Even Dio can't do that. <laughs> For all of his power, Dio cannot do that. And Wamu wasn't even trying. He absorbs half a man. He wasn't even paying attention. <laughs> they specifically made mention that he walks around him like an ant. Like, it wasn't even yeah. enough for him to, like, his, his threshold just to be like, oh, that exists. Right. He wasn't even paying attention. Like, they, these are terrifying, terrifying enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, and having finished part six, like, there's, yeah, there are scary stands for humans, but it's really hard to have the argument about like what stand could have defeated any pillar man um and i feel like the stress of a 19 year old having to defeat not one but all three well all four pillar men um, everyone forgets santana i know but for him to have to defeat all four pillar men with just ham on with losing his friend and his arm and like basically winning from dumb luck that's gotta put a psychological scar on you somehow. <laughs> the fact that he could have messed anything up and it would have led to the destruction of like the entire human race. Yeah, and think about like the tremendous amount of monotony he must have existed in after that, which is something that is sort of a documented issue with people, like soldiers that go to war. Is as terrifying and traumatic as it is, it's also very exciting, mm-hmm. and the real world is not. It is not that exciting. And so having gone on this adventure to save the world from evil gods, what is life after that? Real estate? And uh, and not paying your taxes. Okay, I'm going to put not paying taxes as point number 15. But, like, just the the psychological trauma that Joseph must be walking around with. Imagine what his nightmares are like, you know? It's big buff men. Imagine what it, what he must go through every time he sees a bubble pass through. Or, you know, like, it's just this whole life that he lived of in a very short amount of time when he was very young. And, you know, sometimes that stuff rears its ugly head at the weirdest times and you do something to try to distract yourself from it. And maybe Tomoko is a distraction from that. We don't have the story, so we can't say for sure, but... You know, a lot of these things I, I, I'm kind of willing to put up to either being a product of his time, which, well, and that's a hard argument to have. Like, well, just because everyone was crappy back then, does it excuse crappy behavior? No, but it does explain it. You know, hating the Japanese, uh, being willing to put his grandson in the hospital. It's a very, like, boomer mentality, right? He's pre-boomer. Yeah, it's even, yeah, it's the greatest generation mentality. Like, I'll whip you good. <laughs> um, like, that's, you know, I think the worst the worst things you could mark down would be the stuff he did when he was super young, like uh, shooting guns into a cafe, peeping on his mom, interrupting Caesar's date, uh, because he didn't have the trauma at that point. So it's like, okay, now you're just a punk kid who, you know, you're, you're getting out of line, and, and if your granny arena saw you do any of this, you'd be terrified and shaking in your boots Mm -hmm. Uh, so like those I think are very much less dignity than others but I have a hard time judging Joseph anything post part two just because of what he went through All right, and I think you can kind of see uh, 
how he tried to handle it and how he tries to prepare Jotaro to handle it while he's dying. Because it's often kind of quoted in, in memes and stuff like, you know, when Joseph's spirit is floating away and he's like, this was really a fun trip. And it's like, yeah, it was awesome to go 50 days fighting for our lives and have my three best friends die. <laughs> totally great. My two friends, my grandpa die on me. And my dog. And my dog. Like, they just, you know, that, yeah, totally awesome trip, grandpa. Loved it. <laughs> and, but Joseph, like, holds that line even after he's brought back from the dead in the airplane, like, trying to convince Jotaro, like, this was a fun trip. And it's like, this is how joseph dealt with it i think it was like yeah that was insane and it was tragic that caesar died but you know it was kind of fun at the same time and like we wouldn't have ever been friends had we not lived through that and our friendship was more meaningful for what we went through together and it's you know like he's trying to coach jotaro like you know what this is gonna be hard but if you try to think of it that it was fun maybe it's not so bad and whether it works or not is another question because I don't think Jotaro has really handled it very well. No. I, but Joseph is an old man who's not a psychologist who's doing the best he can. And I, I think that like shows his internal goodness. Like, you know, like I know this is going to be hard for my grandson. I don't really know what to do, but I'm going to I'm going to try. Mm-hmm. He also tried to uh, trick his grandson who had just been traumatized by the death of his dog and his two friends. By pretending to be his enemy resurrected as soon as he is revived. Um, yeah, that was, I would just say that's just poor judgment. You know, like it's, we've all made a joke at the wrong time. <laughs> but that type of joke, not only that, he spilled so much of that extra blood, like on the ambulance floor. Like he used Hermit Purple to like rip off those like blood tubes. Maybe he knew that was the vampire blood. Yeah, he, I, I mean, I assume that he knew it was vampire blood, and that's why he did that trick. Because if he just got revived using his own blood, it wouldn't have worked. Yeah, I mean, well, plus he had he probably used Hermit Purple to channel Hamon to get rid of all the vampire essence through his body, right? Imagine how messed up it would have been if uh, Jotaro just didn't give him time to explain himself, and he just beat him to death right there. Oh, I know. <laughs> Sometimes I imagine that alternate part three. <laughs> and then uh yeah whoops well i guess it wouldn't have been an oops because he would never have known no he wouldn't have he would just he and then uh joseph would have died from his last trick his last surprise okay um do you have anything else you want to you want to hammer on to uh part four joseph sure he was scammed but he still didn't take the time to know uh, the conversion rate from yen to uh, American dollars. And he just bought a bunch of baby stuff he didn't need. <laughs> he wasted his son's uh, savings. Okay. He was going to call his son a son of a... And uh, right at the end of part four. Yeah. Was he, he was insulting Tomoko at that point. Or himself. Well, I mean, it, it's just like a reaction thing. And then he was like, well, you know what? I would have done the same thing. He's like, you know what? In my introductory, I had someone steal my wallet. So the fact that it's in my ending makes a little sense. Yeah. Thinking about old Smokey right there at the end. Did he ever help him on his political campaign? Oh, probably. How else is he supposed to spend all that illegal money he has? Or do we do we put that on fault because he's uh, putting money in politics? Uh, I mean, politics, uh, you know, hate the game of the player, like... Okay, okay. We'll we'll just leave that then. We'll leave that where it we'll, is. We'll leave that one there, I guess. Yeah, I don't yes. know. That's that's a tricky one. Um if there's one thing I can really uh I there's one thing I can't fault him for is that he taught the baby how to pose. Yeah. He taught the invisible baby how to pose. Also, he put makeup on a baby. Imagine the uh imagine the side effects of that. Well, he knew how to do it, so he probably picked the safe stuff. Uh, Joseph still has a well-rounded knowledge of makeup years after he used it. Hey, I I think everyone needs a hobby. <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, you can't always just uh, go to Egypt and destroy cameras. Yeah, like, well, what else does he do with his time? He practices makeup. He probably did Holly's makeup when she was a kid. <laughs> Let's not forget, he also tried to bargain Steely Dan uh, for kebabs. Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> while he was willing to spend like a million dollars on a submarine. Okay, but a submarine is way more useful than some kebabs. 
I mean, yeah, but a car is more useful than camels. Ugh. All right. Anything else before I before I mount my briefer defense? Uh, I'm trying to let's see if I can I can muster up a single thing. Um, he refuses to uh, say his curses in Japanese. Huh? Okay. And um, he was uh, totally peeping on Mariah uh, during the Mariah fight. Uh, I mean, I saw a meme and it said, uh, uh it's like, it's like frantically resisting, uh, cheating on my wife again. So I think the the couple of things that haven't been addressed yet in my defenses are uh, being frivolous with his money, um, not paying his taxes. So not paying his taxes, uh, not great for society, but it did give him the funds he needed to uh, save the world the second time. Although that's a weak argument because he didn't know he was going to need to save the world the second time. But still, it was a good thing he did. Huh? 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 Fate? Destiny? Do you believe in gravity? Hmm? You know, you know how part three got started? Uh, Joseph, <sighs> Joseph broke a camera and then he saw a picture of a buff naked man and he says, I want to kill this guy. Um, but he's so he's frivolous with his money, but he's frivolous <laughs> to the point where, uh, you know, he bought a submarine, but he needed a submarine, you know, like he bought all those camels and planes and, and cars. He needed it for the journey mm. and he bought all that baby stuff, but it was for a baby. A baby can't do anything by itself. Mm. Gotta protect the baby, mm-hmm. um, which I think goes to part four, Joseph. I mean, part four, Joseph, I really feel for him. Like he didn't know he had this kid. He's very uh, paternal in nature. I mean, he loves his daughter. Yes. He loves his grandson, even though they were estranged at the beginning. Like obviously by the end, he had a really close relationship to the point where Jotaro was, you know, was not a businessman, but is still kind of working on executing Joseph's will. Mm-hmm. Um, True. You know, and it's like the lost opportunity to raise this child. You know, he's old and Josuke's already 16 and it's like, Oh, like I've lo- I've missed so much, and you know, can I ever repay re- repair this relationship? And yeah, my wife is mad at me, but at the same time, had I known this was happening, I I would have rather ha- been involved somehow, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really feel for him in the pain, and I mean, and those scenes are just heartbreaking with Josuke and, and Joseph trying to figure each other out. Um, you know, him cutting himself to say just to save a baby and to look cool in front of his son, like. Oh, that scene gets me every time. It's just so good. All right. And it's just like, it comes down to the core of why I think it's hard for me. I think my, my favorite Jojo bounces back between Joseph and Josuke a lot. Um, right now it's, it's Josuke, but I, I feel like certain other days it's, it's Joseph and he's got staying power as a person. We get to see him grow up. We see him make mistakes. He's human. He's an example for us to follow. Um, but even though when you make mistakes and you have character flaws, you can still do good in the world. And I think that makes him a good role model for us to, to look at. It's, it's better than Jonathan because Jonathan's is unattainable. No one can be that pure. Um, that's why I think I like Josuke. He's just like a regular kid, really, you know? And then when he, he confronted with some really weird things, he does his best to protect the people he loves. Um, so I think... Is Joseph a good person? Yeah, mostly, which is, I think, all any human being can hope to do. I think when you balance the scales, at the end, Joseph comes out on top. I'll, I'll give you this. By the end of part three, he was going to go to heaven. Ah, uh, that's Unless true. hell is upward. Hmm. Where do dogs go? Uh, Iggy obviously went somewhere. We saw him. Yeah. Riding on the Aftal's back. The Foo Fighters does too. So animals have souls in the JoJo universe, and that's why they have stands. Some animals have souls. We've been through this. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying um, all of them have souls in the JoJo universe. All right, well, what do you think, listeners? Is Joseph a good person or not? Let us know how you vote. He's a mediocre man. <laughs> Oh,
Okay, so next little segment we've got going is that I finished part six yesterday. You hear that, everybody? It's time to celebrate. He's one step closer. Like almost, like, like almost exactly 24 hours ago is when I finished part six. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sent you a message, and then I we kind of realized, like, this might be kind of interesting to talk about on air because, you know, the initial thoughts are always kind of hard to capture and this is a rare opportunity where i could capture my initial thoughts wow uh so so i don't know you want to ask me questions and i'll just do my okay best. okay first uh we're getting into major spoiler territory um just in case you were you were listening this far and don't know what happens in part six um yeah if you're an anime only person uh turn back now or skip to the meme of the week or if you don't care about spoilers listen ahead yeah um, okay, so first off, just how do you feel about that universe reset? Okay, so like it is a very jarring ending. And I knew it was coming too. So it's like I know that's what's happening, but it's still to experience it is like a different thing. And I think I did what most people do, which is immediately Google, can someone explain the ending of Part Six to me? <laughs> and to read all the different theories and thoughts on it. Um I think the one that I like the best and the one that makes the most sense to me is Poochie creates made in heaven mm-hmm. and explains to Emporio, I am going to, you know, we accelerate time so fast that it resets the universe and it brings you back to the exact same point in time. And everyone who is currently alive when I did that has their souls follow and they are left with an intrinsic understanding of their fate yeah right yes and anybody who died prior to him using it uh is replaced with a crappy knockoff copy that is true and that is demonstrated because emporio looks into the visiting room and you see off-brand jotaro and uh like generic brand jolene (laughs) having an argument i think you mean irene no, I don't. But there, but see, this is this is very critical for you to understand why I like this theory, because you look at them and they don't look like themselves, right? Mm-hmm. It's like kind of mutated Jolene and kind of mutated Jotaro, and Poochie's like, yeah, their souls aren't here because they were dead, and now I'm going to kill you, and then I'm going to finish resetting the universe, and then uh, you won't be here either, chump kid. Who I don't know why Poochie was so focused on killing. <laughs> that's probably like the major thing i'm like why don't you just leave him like you can't really do anything Mm -hmm. you should have just reset the universe and just left him and then you would have won anyway it's never that simple he goes to kill emporio and then oopsie daisy forgot he had weather report Mm -hmm. and uh very awesomely manages to kill poochie which then cancels the universe reset sort of yeah so the version I one of the versions I read that I like, and this is the theory I'm going with, is that because Jotaro and, and Jolene look different in the waiting room, those bodies didn't have their souls. And yet, when Emporio walks down the street to see Irene, it looks like Jolene. Therefore, it must have Jolene's original soul. Yeah, I got, I got that. And part. yeah, and so because of that. Something happened in the in the flip back to the reset that has sort of freed the Stars from this eternal curse of battling evil. And now Jolene is free to live sort of a normal, carefree life. And I was like, you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that ending. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's sort of... I get why people get upset about it because it's like, well, what was the point of all of this? Because none of it happened now. And I think that's a major theme within part six especially if you just think about foo fighters because foo fighter says when she's dying hey you know jolene says i'll just get the stand disc and throw it at some more plankton and you'll be back and she's like no that'll be a different foo fighters because the one with the memories right now we're dying Mm -hmm. and no matter what you do we can't come back and so like that's the whole key i mean that whole like what defines you as a person is your memory is like a recurring theme in the part. Foo Fighters dies because her memories can't be transferred. Weather Report isn't Weather Report because he's missing his memory disc. You know, uh, Jotaro was physically dying when he was missing his memory disc. So, like, on the one hand, 
it's like the theme of the part says, yeah, this Irene is essentially Jolene is dead because her memories are gone, but the souls are still somewhat intact. And so if they have any memory of what happened before, they're going to be happy and satisfied that this is the life that they have now. Yeah. So I liked it. All right. It's very complicated. It's very, very complicated. Uh, Any ending you have to like look up (laughs) is maybe a little far on the end of the complication scale for me. But I think in the end, I'm satisfied with the Joe stars sort of getting a happy ending. All right. I I see that. I understand that. Um, I I, I really want to ask you about the colors because initially I had actually fallen asleep sometimes reading part six because I think the prison setting just had too much gray for me. How about you? Yeah, it is rough. Um, I think it doesn't look as bad when you're reading it in black and white. Um, But I remember you said that to me and I didn't really notice it while I was in the prison. But then when we got out of it, I was like, Oh geez, that was really gray. Like like just color wise, it's super gray. And like I understand, I understand yeah. it. It's a prison, right? But like you could have made it a colorful prison. Well, and it's it's really difficult too because we left Italy. Yeah, we just left Italy for this. <laughs> We've left Italy where Iraqi has painstakingly recreated physical locations of Italy, one of the most beautiful places and in the world. And we're in Florida, where people drive trucks into mud. And actually, the Florida scenes weren't so bad. Like, the marsh and all that stuff was kind of pretty. But, like, yeah, the the prison really wears you down. And I don't think Jolene's coat helps. Like, that extra gray coat. Yeah. And Foo Fighters, like, gray overalls. Like, there were opportunities to improve color, and it did not. They were not taken. (laughs) I mean... Ellie said a little color in the name, Green Dolphin uh, State Prison. You think Jodoro went there to, because he thought there was a dolphin, <laughs> like everyone says. <laughs> uh, Green Dolphin Street's actually a jazz song, which I like. I like that song. Oh, hey, I didn't even know that was a reference. Yeah. I should have expected that. Okay, now, uh, your opinion <laughs> on certain specific stands, uh, Dragon's Dream. I like Dragon's Dream. I don't know why people are confused by it. It's cool. I like it. It just tells you like where the good luck spots are, where the bad luck spots are. And if you just go to them, you can't lose. Way to make me feel like an idiot. All right. Oh, I get Okay. So to be fair, I already know a lot about like feng shui. So I have the background knowledge for it to make sense. If you don't have that background knowledge, I could see where it would be difficult. It was difficult for me and I was falling asleep reading that. So I think it is kind of a long fight. It made it extra difficult for me. But I, you know what? I, and I think I said this to you while I was reading it. It's interesting. Like Jolene is the first uh, Jojo in a long time, maybe even since Joseph part two, who's getting like really in your face, hand to hand physical in these fights. Yeah. I mean, it is like brutal. Yeah. She's a she's an actual fighter, but, you know, she's in prison, so I can see exactly why. Yeah. Um, Yo-Yo Ma. I love that stand. I, it was hilarious. Thank you. Thank you. I love Yo-Yo Ma. It is so, <laughs> it's so great. It's like it's an automatic stand that's your total slave to put you at ease so he can silently kill you. <laughs> but he will tell you outright if you ask him, are you trying to kill me? Yep. He's that age-old myth. Uh, if you're a cop, you have to tell me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love Yo-Yo Ma. I thought that was one of the, my, the better yeah, ones. I, I like the side characters in part six. I'll say that. I really do. Um, I thought honestly was a little bland, but you know, I, I still found enjoyment in his character. Uh, yeah, I, I can see that. I wish we had gotten to know him more. I think what I was wary about with honestly before I got there was like, people kept pairing him with Jolene. And I'm like, the man took a person apart. He took two people like, apart. Why are we, wa- why do we want this? And then of course you read the part and you're like, oh, she doesn't want it. Yeah. You know, it's she's like, no, get away from me, you creep. Um, but she understands like she won't, he's helping and she needs all the help she can get. So she puts up with it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it put Jolene with a better head on her shoulders than I was worried they were going to portray her as. Oh, no, she's a very she's a fairly straightforward character. Yeah. Right. She's like level headed. And I think it's really refreshing for a Jojo um, without them being overly serious. Yes. Um, Definitely more like on the Josuke side of, of that continuum. Yes. 
Yes, there's also that little uh, panel where she has the lunch tray. Like, my favorite panel oh, in all manga yeah. history. So cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, okay, Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, I was surprised at how powerful all of the Dio kids' stands were. Yes. Because, I mean, that's, like, worldwide. That is intense. There aren't many other stands that have a worldwide range. In fact, I can't think of any others other than Weather Report. Made in Heaven? Yeah, and that. Like, I can't think of anything in another part oh, that had a um, worldwide planet range. Planet Waves? Planet Waves I thought was cool. That's a, I thought that was actually really that's cool. That's a stand, very long range. That is a very long range. Although it's also sort of a short range, because... <laughs> yeah, I can only draw them in so close. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's just like, uh, I think it really does emphasize just like the finality of it all. That we're getting like these such overpowered stands. Yeah. Right? Like, I thought Underworlds was a pretty cool stand. Um, I liked Underworlds a lot. Uh, I think that was my favorite of the Dio stands. I think Rickiel's is my least favorite. It's it's weird. Rickiel's stand isn't my favorite um, in any stretch, right? But I do think Rickiel's one of my favorite villains in JoJo. Yeah, he's a good character. His stand is weird. And I, I think Part 6 suffers from the Iraqi found an interesting fact on the Snapple cap <laughs> syndrome more than the other ones do. Yeah. Uh, I think like in part five, there's Green Day, which is pretty obscure, but the rest of it's pretty straightforward one way or the other. But gosh, some of these stands were like... <laughs> and, and then like just the, the, the really roundabout ways he has to go for people to explain or, or know how to counter it, like Emporio's like, I read one on a ghost book one time that if you're in an MRI machine, the, the gold spot is means you're going to get a disease. Like, <laughs> Emporio, stop. You're 11. I mean, he's an 11 year old who lived in prison. Yeah, it's just like and the constant excuse of like, oh, I read about this one time. Like, I, I don't know. Araki, you don't have to put everything you find interesting into a stand. But that's how the best stands are made. I I don't know. I, the whole Rickio like the rods thing is just like bizarre, and it was like it was too much thinking on my end. You could have done the same thing and just said like, "Oh, this stand cools off parts of your body without having the whole rods aspect of it." Okay, okay, I guess I can kind of see where you're getting at. Uh, green baby. It's just Dio, right? <laughs> yeah, but it has different stand. It doesn't have the world. Uh, oh yeah, because it, like it shrinks your your distance. I actually liked how that progression worked out. How Green Baby goes to to Sea Moon goes to Maiden Heaven. How like you can see how the, each of those powers is building up for the next power. Yeah, because without Green Baby's ability to like infinitely decrease things by half, I don't know that the other abilities were possible. If there's one thing I do like about it, it it it, it does really contribute to the stand evolution. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. right. I thought that was cool. I thought he could evolve his stand. I thought that was pretty cool, like a Pokemon. Yeah, I think what was confusing is Dio's plan. Oh yeah, no, that was just outright. What firstly, is this? firstly, how did he figure any of this out? Yeah, there's nothing explaining. How, how did he know exactly thirty six souls are needed for this to work? Like that implies trial and error yeah, also stands are aliens so where does the magic come in yeah i noticed that it felt like iraqi backpedaled a little bit on that explanation yeah because this involves like like you know like a, a ritual and like it it, it made, made me to myself like okay but these are like biological beings like how does that how do those two things intertwine and he used the whole like genetic link between family trick again because that's how weather got his stand yeah and it's like okay we're go we're going back to that now like <laughs> uh let's not forget deal also uh lied to joseph in part three when he said joseph's stand was the weakest because years before he told poochie that the weakest stand he saw was survivor hmm yeah also survivor is not weak well, and that was Dio's original answer, right? It was like, there is no such thing as a strong or a weak stand. Yeah. But then the day, like, the day he dies, it's like, <laughs> your stand is the weakest. Well, you know, he's just 
just trying to mock him. Of course, of course. Yeah, so Dio got really Isaac Newton on everybody. Do you believe in gravity? That whole deal. I really like philosophical part six Dio. <laughs> I think he's interesting. And I think it actually harkens back to more like Dio Brando part one yeah. version of him. I think you can see part six Dio is spending a lot of time dealing with his insecurities. Yeah, yeah. I I, I do like the bond they built up between Dio and Poochie. Um, to just that that one scene of like take take the world you could do it you could take the world right now and rule over all of humanity and he's like just do it you know the disc is already flying out of his head and you know like testing him it's it's definitely like i don't know it, it, it gave dio a character um beyond part part one Oh. Well, I think part one, he's actually more complicated than people give him credit for. Because remember after Jonathan punches him and Dio starts crying? Yeah, but that wasn't like a fake cry either. Like, he was really crying. Right. And I think it's like that was the first indication to me that the story was had more depth to it than I thought it was going to have based on everything I had seen so far. Yeah. And that was because it's like, yeah, Dio is a bully, but he's had a tragic life and he's just trying to hold it together. You know, and when Jonathan, he was picking on Jonathan because he thought he was a pushover. And then it turns out, oh, no, actually, he's very dangerous. And, uh, you know, now he's going to start crying. And I read another thing last night, too. It was like a very in-depth character analysis of Dio. Mm -hmm. Um, And it talked a lot about how you could really link a lot of his behavior in part six to the traumatic events he lived through. Um, His, you know, his inability to make connections with other people. Uh, his, you know, constant lack of trust, mm-hmm. you know, his desire to have a, a true good friend for his plan. Yeah, because for the most part, Dio's just had minions. He never really had a friend. Yeah, which is why I think it makes Poochie so... In- Poochie's a good character. He is. He, he really is. Um, He's very interesting. I felt kind of bad for him, especially when we got into his backstory. I felt like, you know, I had a lot of sympathy for him. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot there, right? I feel like character-wise in part six, he really did do a lot, um, but it may have felt stilted at times. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I I think it's hard because and Iraqi talks about this too. Is like you can't make your villain too likable <laughs> because then you don't want. I mean, and oh, I'm gonna say it actually almost bordered on doing that. I think Poochie was very interesting and it, at times almost more interesting than Jolene. Yeah, yeah, you kind of got the gist of Jolene when you met her in the first few chapters, but um, Poochie took some development. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, you run that risk of overshadowing the main character with a very intricate villain, and I think he walked the line okay with it, but it was was on the edge, I think. It was on the border. Yeah. Okay, Um, okay. For me, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So um uh, before we uh, exit this um uh, before we exit this I have one last thing to ask you about part six yeah all right I'm gonna do it are you prepared for this okay uh, I'm bracing myself are you are you ready let me do my ham on breathing <sighs> that was that was no please <clears throat> Joseph was still alive uh in the events of part six wait what Joseph was still alive in the events of part six it would have been like. 82 you would have been i think a little older than 82 well depends that let's see uh it was 20 wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute he was 69 in part three yeah nice and that it's 21 Um, years later oh geez like 90 yeah wow he really just won't die he is he is the longest living joe star because good for you joseph (laughs) you just hang in (laughs) he has the okiyasu um uh strategy just don't die yeah what, what, have you guys just tried not dying? Works great. Have you ever considered uh, how hard it is for people? I have died. Just don't. Um, I will say, too, I like Jotaro a lot in this part, even though he wasn't there that much. Yeah. I think, like, you could really see the pain of his life, you know, and the mistakes that he made, but the stress he was constantly living under. You know, trying to protect everyone, keep his daughter safe and at the expense of his own happiness a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, I liked his return at the end. I was like, yeah, you know, he's freezing time and punching dudes and like, oh, your go. Your time goes faster. I don't care. I can stop it. (laughs) 
which I thought was like thematically appropriate because it was like he's doing all this for Dio, and now the guy who killed Dio is going to try to stop you too. Yeah. Um, there's definitely a lot linking Poochie and Jotaro. Yeah, I enjoyed that that part of. I enjoyed Jotaro's part. I think uh, at some point we'll have to do a breakdown uh, as to like mm-hmm. it, where was Giorno and would that have been a better choice to add him into the story or what about Josuke or, you know, if Araki knew this was going to be a grand finale, should he have just pulled out all the stops and thrown everybody in? Yeah, people ask like, where's Giorno during all this? Um, but, yeah. you know, I I don't feel like they really needed to be included. I mean, I get it. It's like he's trying to keep the story separate and he added the elements he wanted to add and he didn't want to just grab bag and throw everyone in but could it have been cool it would have been a, a better or worse choice i don't know i think that's a that's a possible discussion we gotta have later. yeah yeah i think so my last and final thought about part six is uh i thought it was really nice of uh uh jolene's stepmom to come and rescue her at the very end <laughs> and that dolphin just pulling her through the water yeah Wow. It's very, very, very nice it's bonding very good. moment. You ready for part seven? <sighs> you know, I every time I get to the end of a part, I always tell you, like, I need some time to process, and then you bully me into the next part. So I don't know. <laughs> we'll probably start it soon. Yeehaw, cowboys. Mountain Tim. Mountain Tim. Oh, lonesome me. Well, uh, shall we get into the meme of the week? Meme of the week. Meme of the week. All right. So this one comes from Instagram user um, Kira Kira Cocoon, uh, which is spelled K I R A C C O O N N, and uh, it is a picture of Jotaro in part four when he's like about to go ham on Kira, and it says, "Don't mess with us, JoJo fans. Our parents don't love us." <laughs> My parents love me. I hope my parents love me. Oh, jeez. We're not getting <laughs> Uh Okay, mine. I'm going to stop cheating because I've noticed like the last three episodes. I'm like, I got two. No, I'm going to pick one. All right. I'll make a bold and heroic decision. Cool. Uh, this is uh, from Shitpost Crusaders, which has made the interesting uh, decision lately to ban Speedwagon memes. That's bold. Yeah, well, they they specifically are banning Speedwagon good memes, mm-hmm. like low effort stuff. Okay. Uh, but uh, I I don't know. It's been it's been interesting over here on the subreddit. But we're, <laughs> this meme has nothing to do with it. Uh, this one is from user senpai underscore soup. Okay, and it just says Advil, and is a picture of some Advil, like the the pill, yeah. just that red pill with it says Advil on it. And it has Avdol's hair on it. <laughs> okay. That's it. That's the meme of the week for me. That's the meme of the week. <laughs> it was so stupid, but I was like, okay, that, that one wins for me. <laughs> all right. All right. I can see that. I can see that. Uh, um, well, if you all would do, um, uh, if you want to uh, find some more of my stuff, um, you can find me on Twitter at uh, asquid at a squid v instagram at a squid tv um actually no just a squid v uh i'm i've been alejandro you can find me on youtube at a squid tv if you want to message us we have no dignity uh podcast at gmail.com we have uh no dig no underscore dignity underscore podcast on instagram and no dignity pod on twitter um we are also rocking it on reddit uh you slash no dignity podcast i did get a meme like in the 3000 upvote range the other day it was, it was about uh was joseph punkin on okuyasu so you go check that one out and we're also now on archive of our own because i'm continuing to update the destiny is unbreakable fan fiction there are now four almost five chapters posted uh and it's picking up it's picking up some attention so if you want to see what I think would have happened if the Stardust Crusaders died and Speedwagon Foundation whisked Josuke off to become this uh, post-apocalyptic young adult hero, then check that out. There's some good twists coming up. I'm really excited to do them. Mm-hmm. I might tell you some of them off air because I'm just so pumped <gasps> about them. Okay. Um, I think that's it. Is there anything else you want to say? 
um, beyond the fact that Rorancha, uh tapes uh, oranges on his chest to give the effect of abs. Really? No dignity. To, to be, be continued. continued.